Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. C-Station. The following is paid commercial programming. The content and opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect those of WSSP, Odyssey Milwaukee, its staff, or sponsors. From Lake Michigan to the Mississippi, and every river, lake, and field in between, let's talk everything outdoors. Aboard! <laughs> You're on the crazy train! Welcome to the Wacky Walleye Cutting Edge Outdoor Show. Fasten your seatbelts for a wild ride through Wisconsin's outdoors. Only on 1250 AM, The Fan. Good morning, everybody. How you doing today? Well, I'll tell you what, it might be a little damp out, a little rainy this morning, but in Wisconsin... Hey, wait a little bit. It'll change. Trust me. It'll be nice out. Anyway, we come to you every Saturday morning from 6 to 8 a.m. And here on the Wacky Walleye's Cutting Edge Outdoors, we are unrehearsed and we are live. So if you want to be a part of the show with questions or comments, just call us at 414-799-1250 or email us live at ceoguys at yahoo.com. He's Sam, who's the man who's producing the show, he's Danny Bush. I'm Tom Neubauer, and we welcome you. Good morning, guys. Morning, Tom. Good morning. So, uh, we got a bunch of emails, Danny. Okay, well, let's get to them right away. All right. First one, and I'll probably have to do this one uh, again later on. It says, hi, guys. You did such a good job selling my boat for me that I thought I would throw this past you. I have a 31-inch by 36-inch Beckman hoop net, used twice, selling for $50. Sound reasonable? Let me know. Gary's number is 262-510-3789. All right, that's one. Uh, that Another that one. net for fifty bucks, that net'll be gone. That'll sell quick. Yeah, Beckmans are good. Okay, now here this is from Bruce. It says the Uper here just got back from the lake. We got two northern, two largemouth, one rock bass. Fish four hours, ten a.m. to two p.m. Had a couple other strikes. Good luck fishing and keep up the work. Good work, guys. Tell Dan I fished the Menominee River when I was a kid. Probably seen his dad. Ask him if his dad ever got smoked fish from a guy in Menominee named Mike Wallet. That was my grandpa. If he wants to talk, let me know. Do you remember that? Um, well, my dad, of course, now I can't ask dad. He passed away. But uh, dad used to, he did go get smoked fish. I remember as a kid in the, being in the car and we'd go to some place. And it was an actual, you know, 
smoked fish type business type yeah. thing. I think there was, a, a, I remember as a kid sitting in the car and seeing a, a, a sign with a fish on it and, wait, <laughs> and waiting yeah. in the car getting antsy. Now, I don't know if that was in Duluth uh, or if that was Marinette. I think my mom used to like smoked herring, I think is what she got. Uh, and then dad used to get perched from a guy named George Wagner who owned a TV repair spot shop in Marinette. Uh, I do remember that. So, But it's possible Dad used to fish at Hattie Street Dam, and he'd go uh, duck and goose hunting by the Little River. All right. Well, here's another one. This one is from Mark in Milwaukee. He says, uh, was a recent winner on the famous Hornswoggle contest, blown away by the generosity and variety of the Baitmate Coleman package. Can't wait to take the time to drive up to Carl's for some delicious eats. Tight lines and thanks again from Mark in Milwaukee. Well, you're welcome, Mark. And, you know, Baitmate and Coleman are very generous with their prize packages. They really are. Yeah, they've uh, they sent me some samples a couple years ago. And, yeah, I got... Uh... I've got lots of bait mate, my friends, and Coleman. I got, I got, you know, I had him. I got the Coleman, the stuff without the deet. And uh, you know, it's kind of funny though. I've had this great repellent the last couple of years, and I've never needed to use it. I, I shouldn't knock on wood like that. Where have all the mosquitoes gone? Yeah, I've got, I got a bunch of stuff from them too. And uh, yeah, you're right. I have not had to use. The mosquito repellent or tick repellent, I have not needed it. Yeah, so it's it's, yeah, it's nice having it. Although, right. <laughs> what? Although you know, like I we talked about previous show, I'm one of the guys that I'll be with a bunch of guys, you know, people in the woods, and they'll be complaining about mosquitoes, and I'll be like, what mosquitoes? So I don't know. Well, there's they don't like in, me. It's something in you that you're secreting that they don't like, I guess. I guess. Yep. Okay, what's uh, any more emails? No, that that's it for now. That's it for now. Yeah, but uh, okay. people can write us at uh, CEO guys at yahoo.com. So, didn't you get an email or a contact from some listener who said uh, that we're too serious lately? We're not getting not <laughs> enough goofy topics. That no, that wasn't an email. That was that was a guy I saw at a store, and uh, as a matter of fact, I was. Uh, had to get you know you know those uh, weed whackers or grass trimmers. They got the the monofilament line that spins around, you know, and whacks yep. the grass. Well, mine ran out, and I had to get some new new stuff. And uh, the guy had mentioned it at the store. You know, I was just standing in the in the hardware store, and the guy says, "How's fishing?" And I said, oh, "Yeah, fine, thank you. Uh, how's fishing by you?" You know, what I mean, and uh, but he uh, he said, "Yeah, you." You guys used to talk about goofy things. Uh, I haven't heard that lately. And I said, well, just wait. You probably will. You never know what we're going to talk about. Well, so. uh, John, bless his heart, once we lost him, he uh, he always managed to bring something, some, bring something goofy up now and then, let me tell you. Yeah, that's true. Always something different, you know. Well, you know, we could, you know, and you and I were talking the other day how if if we talk about something serious, you know, uh, like CWD or something like that, you know, I mean, we don't get a phone call. 
But yet, talk about belly button lint or which way the toilet paper should come over the roll or, you know, weird stuff like that. And we get phone calls constantly, left and right, you know. It, it's just kind of strange how, how people want to throw in their two cents on some strange things, but not on the serious stuff. So so here, let me, let me run this by you and see what you think about this. Uh, the DNR is uh, he sent out a news release that says, Beware, be bear aware. Learn how to safeguard against unwanted bear encounters this summer. So here are some of their suggestions. I'm going to see if these are such common sense that they're stupid and they, they shouldn't even have to give these. Okay, so, uh, suggestion number one. Wave your arms and make noise to scare it away. Well... Don't you think that's kind of a common sense one, Tom? Doesn't well, everybody... Yeah, I've heard know. that my whole life, yeah. Okay, another one. Back away slowly and seek a safe location where you can wait for the bear to leave. Well, I, that's kind of a common sense one, I think, too. But what what is a safe location? Well, I don't know. The top of the outhouse, maybe? I don't know. I guess... Well, uh, don't climb I guess a tree. Depends where you are, inside your car. Yeah, yeah, uh, there okay. you go. Yeah. All right, all right. Uh, when scaring a bear away, make sure it has a clear escape route. Never corner a bear. Oh, yeah, that's the first thing I want to do when I see them is corner them. Yeah. That... <laughs> okay, that's a common sense one. Another one. If you encounter a bear while in the woods, stay calm and do not approach the bear. Well, yeah, okay. Easy for you to say, stay calm, um, but do not approach the bear. Duh, yeah, that's kind of common sense. Uh, never approach a sow with cubs. Oh, that's a big no-no. That's a big common sense one. But you know what? You can see some, some tree-hugger hippie chick, you know, doing it uh, who think, oh, look at the little cubs. It's all friendly. I'm going to go feed the cubs, you know. Well, people do stuff like that in... Uh, um, you know, national parks, people do dumb stuff. They jump out. They want to get a picture with the with yep. the animals. Even like elk and they, any wild animal, do not approach. Uh, another one. <laughs> For your safety, do not attempt to break up a fight between your pet and a bear. Uh, yeah, you would hope that your your pet would uh, run run like hell. You know, but well, a lot of times the pet might be trying to protect you. You know, well, I, I don't know. I maybe I guess if it's a big dog, a big protective type dog, uh, as far as trying to break up the fight, boy, I, I can see a lot of people. People love their pets as much as their son or daughter, sometimes more. And uh, they consider it a family member. So I can see people probably jumping in there and maybe whacking the bear over the head with their purse or whatever they happen to have so uh, but obviously that wouldn't be you know wouldn't be a good idea did you hear about the story i think in colorado a bear got stuck in somebody's car and uh yeah it really tore the car apart apparently i I don't know how the bear got in but uh once it got in the doors were closed and evidently the bear didn't know where the handle was how to open the car door so the thing was going nuts inside. It uh, tore up everything with its claws. 
So then they got like the DNR and apparently they tied a rope to one of the uh, outside handles on the car door and got a good distance away <laughs> and opened the car from a distance and then the bear escaped. So well, it's a good thing the bear didn't drive away. That would have been a story. And they said that the only thing that was really in the car was like a case of beer. And they thought maybe the, uh, you know, maybe the bear went in hoping to catch a cold one. But evidently, once it got locked inside, it panicked and it didn't even bother having any beer. But they said, do not leave food or drink and stuff inside your car. Yeah. Well, you know, speaking of beer, I, you know, I don't drink a lot of beer, but I have two favorite beers. Uh, uh, What is that one? I can't. Coors Light is one. And the other one is a Samuel Adams Cherry Wheat. Those are my two favorite beers. But see, I don't, I don't try a lot of beers. You know, like if we're out, I don't, you know, try different. I don't try different ones. So I don't, I really don't know what else might be good to my palate. But those two I like. What about you? You know that what that Sam, Samuel Adams Cherry Wheat, man, I haven't had that for many, many years. Uh, but uh, that used to be a favorite of uh, mine and Ron Johnson's many years ago. Yeah, that uh, has got a nice crisp taste to it. I like that, yeah. I, I, I haven't had it in a long time. I'm thinking that next door, Park Avenue Pizza, I think they've got every kind of beer and all kinds of stuff. They're kind of known the man over there. I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure that's where, in fact, I think that's where I ever last had one many years ago. Well, you know, if our callers want to call us and tell us what their favorite beer is, they can call us at 799-1250. Got another email here at uh, CEOguys at Yahoo.com. This is from Tim. Tim says, uh, hey, guys, I'm heading out bluegill fishing this Monday. The advanced weather forecast says the high temps are only supposed to be in the mid-60s. Oh, I I didn't hear that. After all of the hot temperatures we've had we've had how do you think the cooler temps will affect the fish and where do you think they'll be deep or shallow yes <laughs> you know it's funny you know i mean the 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 drop in temperature shouldn't have an effect on the fish at all it's not going to drop the water temperature that much you know maybe a couple of degrees but you're going to find them like he said are they going to be shallow or deep well yeah they're going to be there's some going to be shallow, some going to be on the flats, some going to be uh, on the deep weed line edges, some are going to be suspended, you know, 12 to 14 feet down over, you know, 40, 50 feet of water. So you got to look for them, you know, just like anything else. you got to look for them. And that's your advice, Tom? you got to look for them? Well, that's, that's what Come on, is. man, they're calling. You're supposed to be the expert. Poor Tim's well, asking a serious I, question here. I, I just told him where they're going to be. Well, how about when we come back from break... Yeah, I'll okay. tell them where they're going to be and make things a little easier for the guy. All righty. We'll do that when we come back here on the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors. Welcome back to the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors. We are presented by our good friends, at uh, Baitmate, Fish Attractant, Coleman Insect Repellents. Don't forget either of those when you head up north there, hey, this summer. And uh, when we went to break, 
Uh, we, we, I think we'd had our email. Uh, Tim was going to go, I think it was the name was Tim, was go, going to go uh, do some gill fishing, I guess, this week. Mm-hmm. Was kind of wondering what to do. Well, I'll just I'll, give a, a little bit. I was going to ask you, Danny, did you hear about the temperatures, the highs supposed to be in the mid-60s on Monday? No, I haven't looked that far into my future, Tom. I kind of take it live day by day. Yeah, danger is no stranger. Another one of my mottos. Um, anyway, I did. I went out with Dr. Sandy Flaster and uh, um, uh, his daughter, uh, daughter, no, granddaughter, Melanie. And we went out to try and go for some panfish on Pewaukee. Now, he booked this trip with me, oh, I don't know, two months ago. And uh, so I had it on the calendar. And, I, you know, I got back from Door County last week, and I was pretty exhausted from fishing. I was up there with Don DeMuskey Hunter and his brother Greg. Um, so I just took a week off of fishing, and I, I had meant to get out here and kind of test the water, so to speak, see if I could find some panfish, but I never got my butt out there to do it. So on Friday, I was pretty much going out there blind. Now, the other thing, too, is uh, I had a spot two years ago that was... For two years in a row, it was great. And then last year, I couldn't find a fish there. So I didn't have any go-to spots for this year. I did talk to a gentleman last week, and he told me that he was getting some big gills or pumpkin seeds uh, over on the west end of the lake, on the weed edge. So, well, that narrows it down a lot. That's still a huge half of the lake. But it was so windy yesterday, Tom, that I, you know, you're also at the mercy of trying to find somewhere halfway calm to fish because you, you know you don't want to be bouncing around in the right. heavy waves but i'll tell you one of my favoriteest things that i have on my new uh with my new electronics on my boat is that gosh darn spot lock let me tell you is that a thing of beauty because instead of me putting an anchor down and try okay let's fish here okay let's move over 20 yards there then you go pulling up some muddy anchor all full of junk and then you move it and you know doing that can be exhausting for an old guy like me so that spot lock's great you hit the spot lock okay let's work this weed edge for a little bit okay we're gonna move turn it off power over there with the trolling motor hit the spot lock again it was beautiful uh but we did manage to get on a weed edge on the west end and we kind of worked our way and we only covered a couple hundred yards but man, did we catch some nice size bluegills and pumpkin seeds. Matter of fact, uh, I think I held the biggest pumpkin seed I've ever held in my life. It was Shano Lake-like pumpkin seed. The thing, it, it was like eight and a half inches long and it was, its belly was, you know what? I wonder if some of, if, if, if they haven't spawned yet uh, because it was just, it would have been interesting to keep in fact, if I'd known we'd, we were going to catch what we did, I would have kept them from the start. But after you let the initial ones go and you keep catching them, then it's kind of like, oh, too late. Should have been, you know, should have been keeping them from the get-go. Because we would, I would have had at least a, a dozen nice ones. Uh, we also had some, uh, some, some bass, which were fun. You know, kid catches a bass on a, on a night crawler. And again, night crawler, half a night crawler either one a split shot lob it on out inside weed edge outside weed edge man i mean you can catch a little bit of uh, of everything well first of all uh pumpkin seeds bluegills they could there's some that are probably still spawning right now i mean 
they don't all spawn at the same time. And if it's a deep lake, you can find some spawning, you know, at the end of May, some in the middle of June, you know. So, uh, yeah, some of them still might be going through their witch ritual. Number two, it's just like I said before the break, Danny. What was one of the spots I said? Deep weed line edge. And that's where you found them. But you had to look for them, didn't you? You, you didn't find them right away. You didn't go to one spot. You had to go down that deep weed line edge and until finally you found a whole bunch of them, you know. And we- when, when I talk about where, you know, bluegills are and pumpkin seeds and stuff like that, you know, the first thing when I say shallow, I'm talking about docks because they like hanging around some kind of structure, whether it's fallen logs or docks. Then you got the weed flat, you know, where you got intermittent weeds and that. There, a lot of times they're in there, or they can be. Then you got the deep weed line edge where you found them, or on an inside weed line edge you'll find them. And then you got the suspended fish in deep water. So, yes, that's where they're going. They're going to be there. But the thing is, is like you did, you you got to look for them, you know, because you know you might not find them right away, you know. So well, Tom, did, I'm an expert. Did I did find them right away. First spot I stopped. You know, I got that instincts, buddy. You know, it's like yeah. I got that Native American in me. There where I just, I go. could smell, I could smell them, Tom. But anyway, you, uh, you are right. You kind of got to work. We caught some small ones right off the bat, and then I just worked. And I was actually working more of a flat, not 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 okay. a deep deep weed edge, more of a flat, but working the weed edges within that flat. And then we went to a shoreline, and we would work you know, an inside weed edge and the docks, uh, relatively, relatively shallow. Now, the one thing that people need to, I don't know, I, 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 I was thinking about this because I have the polarized glasses on and I think for a lot of experienced fishermen, you just instinctively know when you got the polarized glasses, you can see the weed edges. You can see where right. the weeds start and you just know that you need to cast right on the edge of those weeds. Now, you can either throw perpendicular to it if you're out from it, or ideally, if you're kind of like parallel to it, if you can align yourself and throw the cast. And the one thing that, you know, well, one thing, people don't have polarized glasses. Then they can't see what you're talking about. Because when they ask, where do I cast? You try and you try and point out that, that edge, right, that you can clearly see with your glasses. You can see the color change. They don't see what you're talking about. So then, you know, they cast, and they're, okay, no, no, wind in. More to the right, you're kind of trying to point. But if, if they can have the polarized glasses and read the water, but a lot of times they'll cast out over the thick weeds instead of to the edge. Well, that's, you're just going to get snagged casting out over them, or they're casting out away from them, and they're not near the productive zone. So... There is something to be said for, you know, making sure you have that polarized glasses and you can look and you know where to cast, not just the, the water like a blank sheet of paper and you're just casting willy-nilly everywhere. Yep, polarized sunglasses are one of the things that every good angler should have with them. And a lot don't, though, you know. Well, we've talked about, uh, and I, I think I'll I probably put a plug in before, but those nines, N-I-N-E-S, uh, I like them better. They're half the cost of the Costas, Costas, however you you pr- uh, pronounce it. And since I've had those, zero eye strain. It they just work great. I mean, I, I accidentally wore a different pair of polarized glasses the other day, and I actually was noticing that my eyes were getting some strain with those. Whereas with those nines, man, they just are comfortable to wear all day long. So I big plug for those, man. 
Well, that's good. Glad to hear that. What, I'm, still uh, going the, I'm still going with the $15 plastic specials. Come on, Tom. You know, you, you know you, you're, you're an old guy now. You've worked hard. You're a huge success in life. Now's the, the time to enjoy the spoils of your success and buy yourself a good pair of polarized sunglasses. Now, if I did that, Danny, my luck is I'd just sit on them. Listen, for the, price, for the price of that lousy weed eater or whatever that you... <laughs> weed whacker that you bought at the hardware store you can get yourself a gosh darn good pair of glasses yeah but i can i i I, you know what i haven't had a problem with the the inexpensive sunglasses you know polarized glasses well you know what i've had some that work pretty gosh darn good too to be honest with you i've had some and and actually uh, i do try and have a couple of them around which uh if i were smart i'd put them in my boat so when I have people out that don't have polarized glasses, I can give them to, to them. Nothing drives me more crazy than when you have people out and you say, okay, you got polarized glasses? Oh, yeah, yeah I think these are polarized. I don't know. It, that makes me crazy. You either know they're polarized or you don't. Yeah. Before, yeah. I guess I got to stress that more before I take people fishing is say, bring polarized sunglasses. You know, Make sure. The number of things that a person needs to bring. We talked about that before, about the things they need. But uh, the other thing that people need, uh, on a day like today, how many guys have gone out when there's a chance of rain and they don't bring their rain suit? And then all of a sudden it's pouring on them, you know, and then you got to go find a place where you can hide or go back to the launch or, or something or they're going to get soaked, you know. It's like... You know, I mean, I always, you know, when I was guiding Danny, I always had a couple of those inexpensive ponchos, ponchos yep. in the boat because I knew people were going to forget that stuff, you know. I, I've got always. a couple of those old camouflage army ponchos. I think my brother brought them back from the army 30, 40 years ago. And uh, they're easy to just, you know, crunch up and put in some compartment. And, yeah, and then you hand it to somebody. Of course, then the problem with those They'll be blowing all over the place in the wind. you got to have a belt. Um, but it does kind of save people sometimes. I, yeah, I've had, to, I've had to literally take people back, and they're soaking wet and loan them clothes to get them back out on the lake. So, yeah, yeah. Having, this, having, having the rain gear, I uh, cannot stress that enough as well. Bring more clothes than what you think you're going to need, even for warmth, especially yeah, if you're going to exactly. do the Bay of Green Bay or Lake Michigan. Guaranteed, it's going to be colder than you think. Don't show up in a tank top and shorts. Right, and right now we got to show up to our bottom of the hour break. And right after the break, we're going to be doing the gut report. So stay tuned, folks. We got a lot, right, a lot more going on right here at Sports Radio 1250 AM. The fan. Come in. I'm going to eat you. I'm bigger than you. I'm higher in the food chain. Get in my belly. The Gut Report is brought to you by Discount Liquor. Well, this recipe is for stews and soups. You know, it's nice when you're making a stew or a soup to have some dumplings, and dumplings are one of the easiest things to make. You got one cup of flour, some salt and pepper, mix that together. Then you put in one egg and a half a cup of milk. Mix that up. Dollop it in in the last half hour of your stew or soup, the last half hour, 
put those dumplings in about a tablespoon at a time and uh, put the lid on. And half hour later, you not only have your stew or soup, but you also have your dumplings. Now, as far as I'm concerned, I put salt, pepper, garlic powder, onion powder. I spice it up a bit. You can use any kind of spice you'd like in it. But try that. Dumplings, are they taste good. They're really good, especially in your stews and soups. One cup flour, half a cup of milk, one egg, salt and pepper. Easy peasy, tastes so good. The Gut Report is brought to you by Discount Liquor, where you're going to find the best price, selection, and service at 51st and Oklahoma in Milwaukee and Main Street in Barstow in Waukesha. For weekly specials, go to DiscountLiquorInc.com. the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors presented by Bait Mate Fish Attractants. I'm Dan Bush along with Tom Neubauer. Uh, we always uh, thank our listeners. We really do appreciate all of you out there, uh, many whom we've, well, most who we've never met, but we do get around to bumping into some now and then, which is always, uh, always quite nice. Um, we always take the time to thank law enforcement and uh, first responders, healthcare workers, military Thank you for what you do. And Tom, uh, can I talk a little more fishing? I was mentioning the bluegill oh. thing. I got a few other things I'd like to add if possible. Definitely, definitely. So here's the thing. Uh, we caught some big gills. I mentioned that. And uh, pretty much split shot about 18 inches up and uh, half a night crawler, whole night crawler. And, and they were really, uh, man, you had to be careful. They, if you let it you know you throw it out just kind of let it let it sink down and just sometimes just set the rod down you're better off just letting it sit and then check it in a little bit but if you don't check it frequently enough they were swallowing it but one thing we did get into was a whole bunch of perch uh, we got into a weedy area where we were fishing just above the weeds in some thick stuff and we got one after another but they were all about five inches long tom yeah. In, in fact, I think I saw the smallest perch I've ever seen in my life, maybe like three inches long. But a whole bunch of little perch, that bodes pretty good for the future there on Pewaukee Lake, man. If a bunch of those perch, uh, I used to tease John because I said there's no 10-inch perch on Pewaukee. But I've talked to guys, and they said there are some, you know, there are some big ones out there. I've just never got them. Yeah, there are. And Pewaukee Lake has always had those little perch. And hopefully... You know, and, and I would imagine that's what the, the, the new formed walleyes are feeding on, are those little perch, because there are a lot of them in the lake. As matter of fact, people who ice fish out there uh, catch a lot of those little five-inchers. They're all over the place. But you're right. It bodes well that somewhere down the line, those five-inchers will become those eight, nine, ten-inchers, you know, so... You know, just got to find them like anything else, right? You know, uh, let me ask you this, Tom. What is your favorite? Okay, if you had one color pattern to go with a crankbait, what would that? And in fish, you know, is the only color pattern you could use for the rest of your life uh, on any lake you go to. What would that color pattern be? It'd be kind of a bluegill imitator, but but not a real bright bluegill. It would be kind of a a faded bluegill pattern. Okay. 
I I would say Fire Tiger. Okay. I would go with fire. I would go with fire tiger pattern on a clear lake, on a uh, um, on a you know dirt you know darker water. Fire tiger, I think, is one of the greatest all around. And when you think about it, a fire tiger is kind of like a perch on steroids. You know, brightness color wise. I think a lot of I think a lot of uh, predator fish feed on perch. Therefore, I think that. That fire tiger is a good is probably one of the best patterns there are. Um, Danny, we got an email. Uh, do you know somebody named Forrest? Yeah, it's my brother-in-law. I should oh. know him. <laughs> okay, he says uh, he says good morning. Going back to the barge. Maybe we will recover the rod. Have a great day. What did he mean? Recover the rod? He lost one. Well, well, I'll tell you tell you what almost happened to me yesterday i threw a night crawler out set the rod down the old zebco the venerable the venerable zebco 33 world's greatest spin cast reel ever and i set it down by melanie and i said okay keep an eye on this and i looked and honest to god a pumpkin seed almost pulled it over almost pulled it into the drink and uh i, I yelled and she grabbed it so now you know i was getting big pumpkin seeds but Anyway, yeah, Forrest lost. Forrest has been going to the barge. Now the big perch. I talked about those big perch on that great Alma float. That that's over. But then they start getting walleyes and other things. And he's got some nice walleyes with my nephew Hayden there. But yeah, he sent me a text about a week or so ago and lost a rod. And I mean, it can happen just that quick. I've seen it ha happen on Lake Michigan piers where all of a sudden, you know, fishing brown trout on the Two Rivers nu nuclear plant, we used to lean our rods against the rail. Now, I was way too smart. I would take like an old rag and, and just do one granny knot against the railing so my rod would not shoot, shoot over the railing. But, man, sometimes when a brown or a king hits, that, can, that thing can launch like a missile. It, you know, and they'll, some guy will yell, hey, Norm, 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 and he reaches out futilely into the open air, and there goes that rod. I bet a lot of our listeners have seen that before. You had to see people lose rods before, Tom. You probably did. Um, no, I never did lose a rod except for the ones I threw in the lake myself. You what? I did that one time, yeah. You threw I, I one in? A, I was fishing in a bass tournament, and I lost a really nice bass by the side of the boat. I got so upset, I threw that rotten reel 100 feet into the water. <laughs> now, Tom, uh, if, if you're a golfer, you can do that and recover the club. But if you're a fisherman, that's not the smartest thing to do. No, it wasn't. I agree. It wasn't. I, I, uh, I regretted it after I did it. So. Did, did you regret it before or after it hit the water? After. After. After okay. I hit the water. Did um, did you have a fishing partner at the time? Yes. Did he and, suggest and he, maybe and, sending you off to anger management classes? Yeah, and he also said I was stupid, so I, I He agreed. did. Yeah, well, you I know, <laughs> you got, listen, you got to have good friends in life that'll tell you when you're stupid. That's right, yes. And I guys did. will do it. I don't think women can call each other stupid. They take it too personal. They can't call each other names. Guys, we can call each other names, and matter of fact, there's something wrong if we don't. Right, yeah, if you Tur see your friend doing something stupid, 
you got to tell him he's doing something stupid, you know? Yeah. Hey, uh, hey, don't. (laughs) (laughs) I can think a whole bunch of names whole bunch of things i've heard over the years so uh, one thing though i'm pretty good at calling myself stupid you know friends could never get mad at me because i was as hard on myself as i was on them yeah i i've done a lot of dumb things and i'll be the first to admit it you know yeah definitely so the, so back to Forrest. now he's going to that great alma float and uh here's the hot tip of the day for our listeners out there uh late june Apparently is the time to get the big 10 to 11 inch gills on the float. Uh, I got this tip courtesy of a sodbuster from Rockford, Illinois, who was fishing next to us way back in, I don't know when it was, March, April, whenever that float opened. And we've got those jumbo perch. And he said he comes up there about seven times a year. His favorite time to go is late June for the big gills. And, uh, You'd have to, you know, kind of see, the, it's the same technique as the perch, I guess. You get those big two-ounce, like, disc disc weights, and uh, and then you'd, you know, have, have like, a uh, swivel, and then that runs the, to the, the leader to your hook. Put your night crawler on, you chuck that out, let it sit on bottom. Or you can use a heavy, th- set up a three-way rig, but with all that current, you, you want it where it's just sitting right on bottom. So the technique for the gills, from what I understand, is pretty much the same as uh, for, for everything, the perch and everything else. Uh, they pretty much just leave stuff right on the bottom. But then again, you know, you make sure your rod doesn't go rocket off. You know, there's sturgeon in there, too. So if a sturgeon grabs it and takes off, I can see your, uh, see your rod, you know, just disappearing real quick. So, oh, but yeah. everybody, everybody just kind of leans their rods against the... The railing there. The other advantage of going to the float now is unlike uh, in spring when it was kind of like combat fishing. Um, I mean, it, it was just too jam-packed with people. Unless you can go during a weekday maybe and get there early at 4:30 in the morning and get in line so you get a good spot on the pier. Uh, it, it you could be stuck on a spot of the pier where you where you caught nothing or barge I should say. But this time of year doesn't seem to be near as many people. Uh, pictures Forrest was sending me just kind of showed him with empty spots next to him on the railing there on the barge and uh, and he's catching some nice walleyes um, so now is the time to go and, and not only is the fishing good but you don't have all the other people out there I'm sure everybody else is now going up to their own cabins up north into their summer patterns spring I think everybody and their brother can't wait to get out on rivers so not only on a barge but even out in boats on the rivers it gets kind of crazy in the spring Great, and uh, well, we got a we got the Hornswoggle coming up, folks, and the Hornswoggle is brought to you by Carl's Country Market out there in Menominee Falls, on Pilgrim Road in Silver Spring. Give them a try, especially with their award-winning sausages. And if you're looking for German stuff, they probably have it. Those specialties, and also by brought to you by Baitmate Fish Attractants and Coleman Insect Repellents. So you you'll win out if you win the the Hornswoggle. You'll get a $10 gift, cert- gift certificate to Carl's Country Market, and you'll get a really nice prize package from Coleman and, Co- and uh, Baitmate. So if you want to be a contestant and you haven't won in the last two months, you can call us right now at 414-799-1250. That's 414-799-1250. Be a contestant in the famous one and only 
Hornschwaggle. Welcome back to the Wacky Walleyes, Cutting Edge Outdoors, presented by Bait Mate Fish Attractant. I'm Dan Bush with Tom Neubauer, Sam, our expert producer on the board. Thanks for joining us. And right now, we have the world-famous, and I, when I say world, I mean world-famous, internationally famous, Hornschwaggle Contest. And who is our lucky, or hopefully lucky, contestant this week, Sam? All right, let's give Gary and Menominee Falls a second shot. Oh, it's Gary. Yeah, good morning, doing, Gary. Morning, guys. All right. Yeah, I hope you got the old thinking cap on today. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Um, hopefully you do better than the Bucks did in game uh, whatever it was. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, right. topic, yeah, topic is uh, bluegills. Okay. We've been talking bluegills and uh, panfish. So here we go. Uh, pumpkin seed, pumpkin seeds, and bluegills regular bluegills are pretty much similar except the pumpkin seed is more colorful hornswoggle or no hornswoggle i would say that is a hornswoggle no that's a no hornswoggle <laughs> oh geez the pumpkin seeds are way brighter and prettier Matter okay of fact, oh yeah absolutely yeah the pumpkin seed is one of the prettiest fish out there yeah yeah, yeah i don't know what i was thinking there absolutely Hey, That's you know, maybe uh, you got anybody there, like a lifeline handy, uh, your wife or someone. Uh, we could we could all have you get someone online. But here we go. If you get the next two, you win anyway. Uh, muskies and pike. Uh, muskies will eat bluegills, but pike won't. Muskies will eat bluegills. That's a horn swaggle. There you go. Hey, all right. Here you all go. time. All right. All right. Eat anything. <laughs> You're one for one here. Uh, this is kind of like game seven, the elimination. Uh, you win, right, you right. win, you miss, you lose. No pressure or anything, though, here. But here we go. When fishing bluegills, one fine bait to use is a mini mite sprayed with a little bit of bait mate. Horn swaggle or no horn swaggle. Mini mite with bait mate. Is a good thing to use for bluegills. Hornswoggle. It's a good no one. It's a hornswoggle. That's what? Hornswoggle. That's okay. That's a horn. So a no, mini that's mite. That's not a hornswoggle. That's the no hornswoggle. I've never caught a bluegill on one of those. i got to be honest with you. Well, you got to. Oh, geez. Didn't you just listen to the commercial during the break? But uh, you know what? I don't, <laughs> use the, I don't use the scent. You know, but... Yeah. No mini, no mini mites. Oh, that's okay. that's too. Well, I hope the bucks do better. I hope the bucks do better than I just did. Yes, yeah, we, we hope so, Gary. Hey, you know what? Try again. <laughs> Try again next week. <laughs> Try again. Maybe you'll get lucky and get in there. Yeah, maybe I need to get to bed earlier at night. I don't know. Oh, maybe. Yeah. All right. All right, guys. I listen to your show every Saturday, so I appreciate it. Thanks All right. For thanks for Gary. listening. Bye now. Okay. All right. Thanks. Boy, Danny, that that was a that was a dead giveaway you were giving it to him you were serving it up on the platter right you think down so Wisconsin Avenue I, I was I was trying man I uh, know yeah geez uh, it, the pumpkin seeds right you know I, I thought that was you know you know maybe you know maybe uh I was gonna say maybe maybe that because he never caught a fish on a mini mite maybe Gary wasn't using the right color 
I should have asked him. Gary, if you're still listening, try the orange one or the white one, either one, but especially the orange one. You'll 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 catch fish on them. I mean, yeah, I can't. I mean, I can't help but catch fish on them. With you know? with the mini mites, Tom, uh, the brighter colors always seem to be best. Uh, most people that you talk to like the the orange and the pink and uh, you know your white. I mean, a combination. Those typically are the ones you hear about. I've never done well on the darker colored ones. Like, well, I, I mean, if it's all I got, I'll use it. But like a brown. You know what I mean? Yeah, like well, a... they got a purple one that is actually good. As a matter of fact, my oldest son's girlfriend, whenever they go up north, she always catches the biggest walleye on a purple mini mite. I, she's just so lucky. Uh, <laughs> why she's using a purple mini mite for walleyes, I don't know. But because uh, she likes the color, you know, girls. They, what well, you mentioned, you, mentioned, you mentioned purple. My, my old buddy from Green Bay, Jimmy Whitney, his parents had a place up on Roberts Lake years ago, and Jimmy's favorite uh, bait for walleyes was a purple beetle spin. Purple beetle spin for walleyes. Um, yeah, you wouldn't. And, and now that, that you, you wouldn't think that would work, but why not? You know. I don't know. I remember purple beetle spin, and now that you think about it, uh, you know, a beetle spin is a gosh darn good bait, and I don't. I, in fact, I bought a couple packs. They're still sitting in the packs. I bought them in the middle of this winter when I was bored, thinking to myself, you know, I really should throw a beetle spin more often. I probably should have tried a little beetle spin for the smallies up in Door County because sometimes you could get them to whack the spinner bait, sometimes not, uh, depending on wind and water temperature. But uh, I'm thinking maybe downsizing because really a little beetle spin is kind of like a mini spinner bait. It's exactly it, what it is, yeah. And you can catch... Geez, you, if, if you were to go to a weed edge and throw a, a beetle spin, I mean, you can catch crappies, gills, perch, wa- anything will whack a beetle spin, yeah. and, even a pike or a muskie. Yeah, and what I would recommend is, uh, well, if you're throwing the, the uh, any size uh, from the 16th ounce to the quarter ounce beetle spin, I would recommend taking off that little piece of plastic they, they get on it and putting on a twister tail, you know, put a curly tail grub on there and uh, do the right size curly tail to the size beetle spin you're using. I'll tell you what, I, I've used that for crappies in the past at times, you know, when when needed, you know, and it works extremely well as well. You know, well, that's, you, you know, that's a great, that's really a great tip for our listeners to pick up on. I never knew that. I mean, because when you think about it, the tail on a beetle spin, it's its pretty basic, and it really doesn't... It doesn't vi- do anything. No, it doesn't do anything, where if you put that curly tail, you're going to have that tantalizing, you know, you know, it's going to have that tantalizing sway and undulating action that's going to attract the fish. That's a great idea. Yeah, it works very well. And the other thing you can do is, if uh, th- th- there's some lakes that have uh, smaller size limits on, on the bass, you know, like where they got a, a 14 to 18 inch size limit, got to go back. They got a slot, and they and the DNR wants you to keep those bass under 14. So, you know, 12, 13 inch bass are very good eating, but you know, a lot of times they're not going to grab that big spinner bait. But if you take a quarter ounce beetle spin 
with either a twister tail on the back or a split tail trailer that's been cut down. I'll tell you, man, they will jump on that left and right because it's just the right size for them, you know? Perfect Great tip, Tom. We got to jump. We got a caller here. I think we can get them in before break. All right. All right, let's go to Bill in Pleasant Prairie. Morning, Bill. Morning, guys. What's up? Hey, Danny, on those sunglasses, how do you spell the name of those? And do they make prescription ones, too? Um, it, It's just nines. Just like the number nine is spelled N-I-N-E-S, you could okay. go to their website. That's what I did last year. Mike Iconelli, the big bass guy, he was the guy promoting those, and he had actually, on part of their infomercial, they took a heat lamp, and they took put a pair of Costas and the nines, and then they put a heat sensor behind each of them, and the uh, nines filtered out way more of the heat than the uh, than the more expensive Costas did. But I don't know. You'll have to go to their website. I don't know if okay. they make them in prescription. That's actually something Dr. Sandy was asking me yesterday when we were on the boat. Okay. Thanks, so you'll have guys. to check into it. Yeah. Good luck. All right. Good luck. Well, that just sealed it for me. I'll never buy a pair of those. What's that? Of nines. I'll never buy a pair of nines. Why not? Because Mike Iconelli promotes them. He's a, he's a goof. He's a... He's a Yahoo. Well, come I, on, I Tom. Buy, I would. I wouldn't buy anything he promotes. What? Why? Why such? Where's? Where's all this hate? Oh, where's all this hate coming from, hey, Tom? If you ever seen how he acts at tournaments, you would. You would think the same thing. The guy's a. He's a joke. Yeah. And and really? you know what? Oh. The other. The other pro bass anglers. They think the same thing of him. And they've even commented the same thing, on on camera, about him. Yep. What does does he just cut other fishermen off? Act, and... He just acts like a goof, like there's something wrong with him. Yeah. Well, I do the same thing too. No, no. Of course, there is something wrong with me. No, you, if you, you saw know, you got to embrace it. If you saw what he did, would do, you, you'd say there's something wrong with this guy. He's he's goofy. You know, he's he's yeah, he's just kind of a jerk. That's all. But hey, Danny, okay. we got to go to our top of the hour break. One hour down. One hour to go here at the Wacky Walleye's Cutting Edge Outdoors. So stay tuned for more, folks. we got a lot more coming up. We'll be right back. The following is paid commercial programming. The content and opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect those of WSSP, Odyssey Milwaukee, its staff, or sponsors. From Lake Michigan to the Mississippi and every river, lake, and field in between. Let's talk everything outdoors. All aboard! Ha, ha, ha! You're on the crazy train! All aboard! <laughs> Welcome to the Wacky Walleye Cutting Edge Outdoor Show. Fasten your seatbelts for a wild ride through Wisconsin's outdoors. Only on 1250 AM, The Fan. Taking a ride on the crazy train this morning. Well, actually, every Saturday morning from 6 to 8, you can get your tickets punched on the crazy train. Hopefully, we don't go off the rails too many times. But if you want to be part of the show, all you got to do is call us at 414-799-1250 if you got any questions or comments. Or you can email us live at ceoguys at yahoo.com. He's Dan Bush. I'm Tom Neubauer. Sam Schmitz is our producer on the boards. And Danny, 
I got an email that I have to repeat, if you don't mind. Go ahead. All right. Uh, Gary is selling a Beckman net that's uh, 31 inches by 36 inches. It's a hoop net. He's used it only twice. He's selling it for $50, and his phone number is 262-510-3789. So there, I did my good deed. Boy, you know, when you talk about good deeders, you know, I just, you know, I think of you, Tom. That's your, you're a good deed guy. Hey, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. You, you do that advertisement for them. Uh, there used to be a uh, thing up in the Green Bay area when I was a kid called Trading Post. Right. And I think they do the show once a week. And man, I'll tell you what, Dad's favorite show was Trading Post because he'd. He could get good deals by listening to the radio and people calling in with all the stuff that they had. Remember when we used to do that for a while on the show years ago? And, yep, uh, yep. But, but the only problem was, you know, there were some, like decent things that people were trying to get rid of, but then people trying to sell their houses, their cars, you know. <laughs> you know, we had to say, no, 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 no homes or cars for sale, you know. But yeah, I just, I can't, yeah. I don't think we had enough people calling in on it, to be honest no, we with didn't. you, Tom. We, we really didn't. It was one of those, I think it's one of those things where you got to, you, you start slow and you got to hope it builds some momentum, you know. But it yeah, never I guess really we, did. It never really caught on for us. I guess we never got the old momentum going. Uh, hey, I got an email yesterday. We've been talking sunglasses and I got a, I'm on a, Boy, I'll tell you what, in today's world, you get on an email. I get too many emails from too many companies. It fills you up your inbox. But Costa Sunglasses sent me one yesterday, or Costa. I guess I never will know how to pronounce that right. Um, they're talking uh, about Father's Day, right? It's Father's Day weekend, you know, so, of course, they're trying to, you know, sell their sunglasses. But it said, today is National Go Fishing Day. Oh, really? So it said that yesterday. And it said, with Father's Day just around the corner, why not spend it with family? But <clears throat> was yesterday National Go Fishing Day? Have you ever heard of a National Go Fishing Day? Or is Costa, are they just saying that just to sell their sunglasses? I think they're making that up. Yeah, I think they're making it up. National Go Fishing Day. <laughs> well, in, in Wisconsin now, we got like we got like our statewide fishing days. Right, like twice a year, where weekends. free fishing weekend. Right, right. Yeah, but but I never heard anything about a uh, about a national type thing. No. So with Father's Day coming up there, Papa Tom, uh, are you going to be fishing with one of your sons this weekend in honor of their great father on Father's no, Day? Uh, the one son, you know, he coaches uh, high school, uh, you know, senior basketball, the varsity team basketball, and believe it or not. Uh, High school basketball, they're they're doing stuff already. You know, they're playing games, you know, warming up for the upcoming season. So he's busy on Sunday with games with his high school team. The other son is in Florida. Oh, that's right. I, I got to tell you about that. Uh, the other son, he's in Florida with his family. They're camping. They camp by a, by a beach somewhere in Florida. And, and he really enjoys fishing from sh- offshore. You know, I mean, well, on the shore, he fishes from shore in the ocean. 
And one of the uh, fish that he says is real good eating that they catch a lot of are pompanos. I've never seen one, but we're going to have some uh, in a few weeks. Uh, he's bringing some home. And then there was, uh, I forget what he called one, was a blue striper, or I don't know what it was called. Uh, another one, he said, it's, it's a good eating. But they also catch sharks, you know, of different varying sizes. And uh, he caught one that was four and a half feet. And last year he caught one that was six and a half feet. But he let that one go. But the four and a half footer he kept, and he said it was delicious. And uh, they caught a number of them that were in the, you know, small ones, two, two and a half footers. But his one brother-in-law, who was down there with his family, he hooked on to one that was like a 10, 11 footer. And, of course, it spooled him took all his line, then broke it, <laughs> you know, so he was out of luck. Um, but, yeah, they, and, and they don't wade in the water too far. You know, they don't go too far out because of the fact that there's big sharks out there, you know. So uh, I'm, I'm hoping he brings back some of the shark meat, too, because in his camper he's got a, a little freezer, you know, that he can freeze the, some of the fish in and bring them back for our family fish fry. So, yeah, both. Both of the sons with boats are busy this weekend. But you know what? That's all right. I'll find things, something to do. You know, with with Father's Day, you know, weekend here, you know, I, I can't help but think about my father. And uh, my I think one of my most memorable Father's Day's uh, weekend or Father's Day itself was uh, when I and my dad, uh, I took him to Shano Lake fishing for uh, again big pumpkin seed bluegills and it was father's day weekend and then afterwards we went to mcdonald's there in shano and then we drove up to his house in green bay and i helped him fillet him and and then i drove back but it's funny i just remember that one time it was just me and pop and uh you know he used to love dad wasn't you know he he, he was more into deer hunting than anything but he just loved the fish and yeah I, we had a great time so yeah, it's a good Father's Day memory. Seven nine nine twelve fifty. Anybody else got a good Father's Day memory that you want to share? Either you shared it with your father, or your father shared it with, or you shared it with your kids. Give us a call. Let us know because uh, I think there are a lot of special fathers out there and a lot of good memories. Yeah, you know, some people ask me, you know, if I got my my, you know, my fishing acumen from you know uh you know my father's side of the family and my brother's and i don't i don't think so i think it all came from my mom's side of the family uh that last name was sattler and uh my mom's side of the family they as a matter of fact they owned a bait shop down on uh run right street uh, just a few blocks west of humboldt avenue the bait shop was like built into the house Okay, you would have to walk downstairs, and they, and my brothers, when they were younger, uh, they would, uh, you know, pick worms. They they uh, seine for minnows in the Milwaukee River, uh, you know, that they would sell at the bait shop. And uh, all my uncles, my Sattler uncles, were all fishermen. They all of them were. Whereas my Neubauer uncles, you know, yeah, they liked fishing, but it was it's not like they were big into it you know but uh, so i think i think my, my uh, love of, of fishing came from the sattler side of my family versus the, 
the the Neubauer side of my family. So the Sattlers were the fishermen. Yeah, yeah, and they had a and they had a bait shop in that. I remember that when I was a kid, you know, because we only lived a, a block or two away, you know, and I remember their their bait shop. But uh, yeah, so maybe maybe that's where I got the inkling to have a bait shop years ago. You know, dumbest thing I ever did too, by the way. <laughs> that yeah. was another stupid thing where I wish one of my friends would have said, "That's a stupid idea." <laughs> <laughs> well. I don't know. I, I think a bait shop. Uh, I don't know. You, 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 the margin on your tackle isn't that much, and it's not like you're selling huge volumes of it. I'm, I'm guessing the money is in selling the suckers and the live bait. The money's bait. in the I live think. bait. It's yeah, in the live bait. That's where the money is. And, uh, but you know, you, you, if you in any any retail store that a person opens. They got to realize they're going to be the first one there and the last one to leave. And when I had my shop, you know, I had a, you know, some employees because I'd be out guiding during the week. You know, I wasn't always at the shop, but I was still the first one at the shop. You know, when it opened, and I was the last, and I was the last one to leave because I was always there after I was done guiding. You know, so it, uh, yeah. It's six years of my life that uh, I'll never get back <laughs> that I spent way too many hours and got way too little money on, you know, so. Well, I got to thank you for having that shop because, uh, by God, I'd be driving by it on uh, Capitol on my way to the Mayfair uh, Bally Club I managed, and I'd always see Neubauer Sports Shop, so I stopped in there when you were closing out and giving good deals to get rid of your inventory, and I bought that St. Croix rugged rod from yeah. you, which I use as a sucker rod, and uh, got it for like 50 bucks from you. So that's, that's, uh, that was a, one of my best purchases uh, of a rod ever. Yeah, as a matter of fact, yeah, I, I lost the lease. I got lied to by the owner of the strip mall, you know, and, uh, and then I got lied. I was going to move to another spot, and that person lied to me, and I thought, you know what, I've had enough of these liars, so... Just, hey, uh, what, just what, got rid of everything. Wasn't there an Asian massage parlor right next there that got busted? No, no, that that must have been someplace else. No, I think there was something got busted there. Uh, well, if you know, they years did, ago. I, don't, I don't remember it. I, well, let's put it this way: I never uh, participated. <laughs> okay, okay. I was listen. No, I, I wasn't going to go there. I don't remember it. <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't saying you're taking coffee breaks or taking little breaks. Say, I'll be back in an hour, guys. No, no. Yeah. In no way would I. Hey, what did your wife? Did she approve of you getting the bait shop, or was she probably like most wives? She's telling you it's a bad idea. Uh, correct. Yeah, that's what she was doing, telling me it was a bad idea. I should have listened yeah. to her. She's smarter than I am. Well, that was one time you should have listened. But you know, John and his friend Greg years ago had sat down with Musky Bills at, with Musky Bill, and John and Greg were going to buy Musky Bills in the property over there. And they were all set to do it, and guess what? Their wives, Louie, and I think his wife is Cher. I, I'm just zoning out right now. Um, but the wives talked them out of it, and they 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 rue it to this day that they yeah. should have brought that bought that property, and they could have probably made a lot of money. But the wives that, said, "No, yep. no, don't do it." That would have been an awesome investment. Excellent. Yep. I mean, there was a lot of property there. And yeah, and, and, and actually, condos, 
Yeah, and then uh, one of the speaking of the condos, uh, when I used to take Dr. Shelley, who he, you know he hasn't fished in ten years with us now, he got up in age, but he was in his eighties. Every time we go went by those condos, he'd tell me the story of how he was going to buy one for a hundred thousand dollars, but his wife talked him out of it. He uh, he regretted that one as well. Yeah, they're probably worth what now half a million. I don't know. I don't know. So the moral of the story is, I guess, sometimes your wife is right, like in your case with the bait shop, and other times they're wrong. But uh, well, I guess guys just got to listen to them either way. Otherwise, you end up divorced. Well, I'll tell you one thing that's right is our 7.15 break. Right now, folks, you're listening to the Wacky Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors. Don't go nowhere. Wacky Walleyes, Cutting Edge Outdoors. I'm Dan Bush along with Tom Newbauer, Sam on the board. 799-1250 is the number. If you got a fishing report, uh, hunting report, well, I guess there's not too many hunting reports right now. Anything else you want to talk about if you got a question, or you can email us at ceoguys at yahoo.com, and Tom the man is manning our emails, and we'll get back to you. Yeah, we got one right now. They're coming in hot. This is from Kyle. He says, Kyle says, good morning, guys. Enjoying a beautiful morning of fishing. So far, I've hooked uh, into a few nice bluegills and two bass. I'm watching the storm roll through the north, that's by us, because I'm fishing in Racine County and staying dry. And he says, happy Father's Day. Well, Kyle, I'm glad you're staying dry because I just heard some rumbling of thunder a little while ago too here. So there, there were some, there was some weather moving through this area. So he's staying um, dry in Racine, though. During our first hour, I had to uh, during the show I had to close my window because we had it come tearing through here, making all kinds of noise. Yeah, um, and it was uh, pouring out, wasn't it, by you? Now, yes, uh, yeah, but I am actually glad it did because. What I'm going to do now is my boat got nice and soaked down the carpet. And then what you do is you take a shop vac that has the wet vac, you know, capability and you wet vac and suck it all out. And that'll get what's left of the night crawler dirt and any other garbage. It's, It's like shampooing the carpet. It'll get your carpet nice and clean. So that's my tip to you. If you got a dirty, uh, uh, carpet on your boat, just get it wet and then wet vac it, and that cleans it way better. If you just try and dry vac it, it won't take anything out of out of it. Great, that that's a real good tip. As a matter of fact, uh, when I had boats, I would uh, enjoy driving it in the rain because I'd unplug, you know, take the plug out of the back, drive it in the rain. Everything got washed out, and but you, like you said, you got to dry that carpeting and that, and a wet vac is perfect for it. Perfect. Yeah, and, and, you know, you can go to your local your local Ace Hardware store and pick up a uh, uh, wet vac, a little shop vac. They got them in all different sizes. Now, I used to have a little tiny one that I bought, a little red one that was almost portable. In fact, I bought that. Steve Milliot saw it. He went and bought one, too. He thought it was such a great idea to take on trips. But this time I, I got a bigger one because the bigger one, I can wet vac my entire carpet on my boat 
and it, it, it fills it up, but it doesn't, you know, with the little one, I'd have to stop and empty it, basically, dump the water out uh, halfway through the job. So with the bigger one, I can get it completely, uh, completely done, and then I'm going to put the cover on it to protect it, protect it from the sun, though. You know, I do have a couple of problems with the boat, though. Um, you know, years ago, I had carpet redone, and I had the wood underneath redone. Well, there's some spots where you can feel the wood underneath rotting, where, oh. you know, you can feel the wood sagging, yes, if you stand. So there's a few spots on the boat that I'm strategically putting tackle boxes <laughs> and saying, don't step there. So now I got to get her done again, but I guess I'll have to give uh, our friend out at Fountain of Youth uh, Boats, Charlie, a call. I guess Paul Mahalik, I didn't know this. I was talking to Don the Muskie Hunter. Apparently Paul Mahalik is pretty uh you know, is is fr good friends with uh with Charlie out there at Fountain of Youth Boats. Oh. Okay. Yeah. So maybe I can say, "Hey, I know Paul. Give me a deal." So <laughs> <laughs> You know, if a guy were listen, if a guy were halfway handy, you could probably do it yourself. You know what I mean? There's yeah. a lot of do it yourself kind of guys that they're going to replace the carpet and stuff themselves. Now, one thing I think I'm going to check into um JT, Jim Tostrad, he guides down on Lake Geneva. He's also an artist, Troy Woodrow's friend. He had the same exact boat that I got in 2005, but he got a solid floor on the main floor. In other words, it's not carpeted. It's, it's like a solid floor, right, right. and it's some type of a material. I don't know what it is, but you can just hose it down and clean it. I'm wondering if a Lumacraft still has a floor like that available I'd just replace it with that at this point. I don't, I don't know if there's even one available. Well, those floors, you're right, they're easy to clean. The problem is, is if you kneel on them, oh, they're, they're hard on the knees if you've got to kneel on it. Um, well, you don't, you don't pray that often anyway, Tom. So. Well, you know, some, well, there's, sometimes you have to kneel you're on praying for fish yeah, in the boat? Yeah, there you go, praying for fish, that's it. Yeah, you know, uh, you never need to. You're an expert. You catch fish all. You don't need to pray for fish. But, but I'm just wondering if, if, uh, if how they are as far as being slippery. You know, I mean. Well, that 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 yes, that would be my concern. Maybe I should ask JT that. I don't even know. He's probably got a newer boat since that time. He's probably uh, moved on and upgraded like most of the guys. I'm just the guy holding on to my boat because I like it so much. And I I'm don't sure they spend seventy thousand sure for a new one. Floors with a non-slip material. I'm sure they do. You would think they have to. Yeah. Yeah, because otherwise, you know, a guy, you know, would slip and kill themselves. You know, I think they actually make boating shoes. And I remember thirty years ago, a friend of mine worked for uh, companies, uh, Saucony. I think he was working for selling tennis shoes. And and I thought, you know, they make all kinds of shoes for all kinds of sports. You know, tennis shoes. I thought, how about a shoe designed specifically for fishing and boating? And uh, I, I think I was ahead of my time. I, I should have owned my own company there because now I think they actually have them. Yeah, it's funny how you come up with ideas, and, and you know, but you don't do anything about it. You forget about it, and then down the road, all of a sudden you see it <laughs> being sold I, Listen, you know. I had, I had to listen to, you know, for 50 years of my life, I had to listen to my dad all the time talking about i had that idea years ago i saw that matter of fact when the popeels pocket fisherman came out remember oh, yeah. the popeels yeah and boy does it catch fish i still remember the ad 
Uh, Dad actually, I don't know why he did that. He went and bought me and my brother a Popeil's Pocket Fisherman for Christmas. Although it wasn't our main gift, it was just an add-on. I never even used it. I probably got sold at a rummage sale. Because I had a regular rod and reel. I had my Zepco yeah. 33. I don't need that lousy Popeil's. But he always claimed he had that idea because he saw years ago, he talked about how he was on some uh, Native American reservation area. I don't know if it was up by Menominee or somewhere. And he saw these uh, these guys fishing from shore. And he said they had line wrapped around their wrist like a spool and uh, a lure. And then they would take and they would throw the bait on out. And then they would just wind the line along the, around their wrist when they went to retrieve it. That's what wow. he said he saw these guys doing. And that's that's when he had the idea. That's when he was one ahead of Ron Popeil. And he had the idea for the for a little hand-type device that you could go fish with. So, you know, I guess, you know, you joke about the Popeil's Pocket Fisherman. But I, I, I guess it isn't bad if you had one, something like that. You could just throw it in the back of your trunk or your bike or backpack or whatever and if you cross a little stream um not a bad idea i don't know but it actually had a little compartment i think where you could put hooks and bobbers and stuff too yeah i remember i'll never forget there was uh when lee trevino the professional golfer years ago uh it was a it was a they were showing you know golfing on tv and one of the tournaments and there was a delay and i forget what the delay was and there's old Lee Trevino. He pulls a Popeil pocket fisherman out of his golf bag, and he's casting in one of the ponds on the golf course. I just thought that was hilarious. I didn't see him catch anything, but he was fishing on one of the ponds during the tournament that during uh, some kind of delay for something. That that really is funny. It, uh, it was. I mean, that, it was on national TV, you know. <laughs> I wonder I've, if... I've, I wonder if a lot of people bought the Popeil after that. After they saw Elite. Well, he was yeah. actually a pretty good golfer at the time. I think, of course, Jack Nicholas was number one. But I, I want to say he was definitely in the top, what, five or ten in the world at one well, time. And everybody said they liked him. He was a friendly, happy-go-lucky, well, jo- jovial kind of a guy. That was the main thing. It wasn't just that he was a good golfer, but he was also a very... Uh, he was a good person, you know, took time out to sign autographs, talk to people and that, always had a smile on his face, you know. Yeah, he was one of the good ones, yeah. Nowadays they're talking about uh, golfers having rivalries and so forth. Oh, they, yeah. Uh, hear mad, they're advertising, oh, these two golfers won't be in the same group because they're, uh, you know, uh, don't get along in this and that. I don't well, know. Danny, did you know that the leading money winner – on the PGA, the Professional Golf Association, the leading money winner has not won a tournament. Well, won a tur- yeah, can you believe that? That the yeah. leading money winner has not won a tournament. It just goes to show that if you come in the, you know, top ten or top five, and you fish twenty tournaments a year, you're going to make a lot of money, and you don't even have to win one. Well, I'll tell you one thing. You ever see the girlfriends and wives of those golfers? Oh my gosh, they all got hot, hot girlfriends and wives. Yeah, well, I should have been there was a golfer. One golfer, I'm not going to mention his name. He was not a handsome man, not not uh, built like your typical golfer is. Okay, he's a little bit different, and uh, and he had this. He got married to this 
you know, screaming hot woman, right? And it was about a year and a half later, she dumped his butt and got a whole bunch of alimony, <laughs> got a whole bunch of money. <laughs> you know, that's, I always worried about that myself. Chicks want, you know, wanting to marry me for my money. Oh, uh, there, yeah. That, well, you know, Once you are the, 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 you got wealthy that landowner pound up there in Price County. Douglas County. Yeah, Douglas. You know, I'm almost scared to tell them that because I know they're going to be after me, you know, after that. That's right. They're going to want a piece of that action. Yeah, they want to. <laughs> Let's go to hey, break. Listen, we better, we're really going off the rails now. We better go to a break. Bottom of the hour break, folks. Stay tuned. We got more with Dan Bush, myself, Tom Neubauer. Sammy's on the board. We'll talk to you when we come back. Walleyes Cutting Edge Outdoors, presented by Baitmate Fish Attractant. We've got, uh, we're in the last uh, quarter, no, eighth of our, something like that, of our show. Thanks for listening. Anybody has a fishing report, question, give us a call. Feel free. Area code 414, of course, 799-1250. Or you can still email us live at ceoguys at yahoo.com. Are you still manning that, manning oh, the yeah. emails? Well, you know, I'll tell you, the only reason I don't go out to my car in the garage and do the show is because I got to I got to keep an eye on the computer, you know, for emails. So, and well, I don't mind that. I don't mind. You don't that. mind that. No, so I don't mind that at all. Okay. Uh, hey, uh I got a I got a topic I wanted to bring up. I don't know. I can't remember. You know, I'm getting old. I've destroyed too many brain cells. I can't remember if I brought this up in a previous show. Uh, talking about fish jumping. Did we discuss this topic, Tom? I think, I, are you talking about like, kind of like jumping at dams and that? Yeah, why Why do fish jump? Oh, yeah, I think we did talk about it, but go we ahead, did. Re- refresh my mind. Well, okay, all right, so let me ask you this, Tom. Off the top of your head, rated, rank, rank, which fish jump? Okay, what, off the top of your head, think of a, a species of fish that would jump. Well, right away, the, the salmon and the trout comes to my mind, especially the salmon. Okay, okay. salmon and trout. And, and now, now I guess, trying to go up river, they're doing that. Carp jump all the time, and I have no idea why they... Do you ever notice that carp are jumping, and I have no idea why they're jumping? You know, they're uh, just jumping. Well, well, carp, I think more so than jumping, I think they do a lot of rolling around on top yeah, of the water. True. Yeah, Yeah, but, jumping, uh, it... I, I don't know. I think I think carp. I, I've heard. I, I don't know. I think somebody. I heard this that they jump so they can land and break up the eggs or something in 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 their back. <laughs> you ever heard? I Did you ever hear that. that? No, no, I haven't. Okay, but as well, far let's as talk. Fish fighting and jumping. You know, I'm looking at. Yeah, that's 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 what I'm referring to. Because oh, if okay, you're fighting well, a carp, it's not going to jump. No, mus muskies. Uh, Smallmouth bass, largemouth bass. Those, those, those are the main three that, to me, that jump. You know. Okay. Muskies, largemouth bass, smallmouth bass. How about pike? I don't get a lot of those jumping a lot. And we catch a lot of pike, and don't get a lot of. I mean, every now and then one might, but 
not not as much as a muskie or a bass. Owen, Owen, uh, striper bass. Stripers, you know, yeah, they jump yep. a lot. Um, you know, I, 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 the In Fisherman article, and I think we did talk about this briefly, did kind of allude to the fact that the fish that primarily jump probably uh, evolved and lived in rivers. And being as river fish have to migrate, you know, like to migrate upstream for spawning purposes and whatever, they, they have to sometimes, you know, jump rapids or jump falls and stuff like that. And that those t- fish... Therefore, uh, I guess kind of evolved to be more likely to jump. Uh, I don't know that 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 kind of makes sense. So I guess that's I know muskie originally were a, a river fish, and I don't know mm-hmm. pike. They don't you know pike don't jump as much. Although I do, I have had pike jump. Uh, I got a video. It was pretty cool. Uh, back in 1992, I spent a week fishing with my cousin Stephen on the St. Louis River. He took me back to a little bay where a buddy of his, a neighbor kid named Todd, had caught a... Hello? Uh-oh. Try reconnecting with him. What happened? Did Danny uh, drop off? I think so. Uh-oh. Wow. Well, while Danny reconnects, uh, something probably happened with his phone, folks. So and when Danny reconnects... Uh, we were talking about jumping fish. I, I'll tell you what, I I think every smallmouth bass I've ever caught jumped out of the water two, three, or four times. I was, I'm telling you, those are one jumping fish, smallmouth bass. A largemouth bass will jump, but not as much as a smallmouth. And maybe Danny's got something going there with the fish, you know, if they're basically river fish to begin with, because smallmouth are definitely river fish. And... Um, you know, maybe they got to do a lot more jumping, but boy, I'll tell you. And that's why I think people think that smallmouth bass are some of the most fightingest fish that swims. But years ago, uh, I was fishing out on Lake Mead, and uh, we got into these uh, stripers. And I'll tell you what, I, they, to me, I think they fought more than a smallmouth bass. Those things just never stopped. You know, at least, you know, if you get a smallmouth bass in the net, and then lay it down in the boat. Generally, you know, it'll just lay there, and you can grab it by the mouth and lift it up. A striper bass, you get it in the net laying in the boat, it doesn't stop flopping. It's constantly, I mean, that tail and body is constantly going. Um, it, it's one heck of a fighting fish. So, yeah, and, you know, and I'll tell you what, bluegills, pumpkin seeds and bluegills, because of that round, flat body, my goodness, you get a big one of those on, and they really fight. Can you imagine, you know, we were talking about that one day, uh, you know, about the two- and three- and four-pound red-eared sunfish that they catch in Arizona. I mean, that's like a big monster bluegill. Can you imagine reeling one of those in with your light, you know, light action rod and four-pound test line, you know, and you got this two-pound bluegill that, I mean, those babies fight because they got that big flat body, you know. So yeah, it, very it very would, interesting. It, it would be like oh, it there be like a back. small. All right. Well, I've been back for I've been back for two minutes, but you oh, couldn't let you me get a word something. in edgewise. I wish you would have said well, something. I was just yakking, uh, waiting for you to come back. We're trying. Yakking. Okay. <laughs> so any anyway anyway, uh, 
you were talking of I'll finish my story on the St. Louis yeah. River. Okay. Uh, we went into this secret bay on a secret unnamed island, and sure enough, it was full of big pike in there. And I remember it was Memorial Weekend. We were listening in a little radio to the uh, to the Indy 500, and uh, we caught the first day. We, we caught some fish, but it was so thick we couldn't. Yeah, other only thing you could work in there was a Johnson Silver Minnow. So we went to a bait shop in Duluth, and uh, there was a yellow and with brass blades Fudley stump hog hanging on the wall of the bait shop. And my cousin said, oh, I guess those are supposed to be good, so I bought it. What I did for the next couple days was I'd go into, into that bay with them, and I would bulge that Fudley stump hog through the thick weeds, and we would just fish that bay all day long from one end to the other, from one back and forth, until eventually, you know, we'd, you know, get those pikes so angry, and they would just roll up and smack that stump hog, and I had a 40-incher, it came to the boat, and it just darted away. Now, the difference, if you have a pike follow, people ask, can you figure a pike? Well, here's the deal. A muskie, you can figure and it will stay on the bait, tracking it the whole time. Pike won't do that. They, they'll dart away from the boat, but it does pay to keep your bait in the water because they might be just off to the side watching and they'll swoop back in and nail it. So I, after this big fish about gave me a heart attack and missed it, uh, as I was pulling the bait out of the water, I put it back in the water and I started doing big circles. And first turn around, this 40-incher came in like a streak from behind and nailed it. And we, it's cool because I had my video camera. Now, that's before everybody and their brothers video on a phone, for God's sake. Back then, I had the big video camera that cost me $1,200. You'd hold it over your shoulder, and you'd slide the VHS tape in there. Um, and back at the time, that was the cat's ass. But my cousin turned, turned it on and started filming me fighting this fish. And it actually leaped out of the water several times. It was really cool. And then I was able to sell that video along with other videos of fish from that same trip. North American Fishing Club at the time had a contest where you'd say, send us your video. So I sent them that video and they actually made it part of their collection um, where they uh, actually, I believe they showed it on an episode of their show and then they actually sold the video and it was North American Club Fishing Adventures and they got a whole, I don't know, 15 minute segment I get paid. I got. I got paid three hundred twenty-five dollars for it, Tom. Oh, that's fantastic. And the pike, but I guess I the pike jumped. It was really cool, uh, but wow. you don't often often see that. No, uh, you I, don't. I guess when fish when fish jump, Tom. I guess it's natural. Like if they get something lodged in their throat, sometimes you'll see a fish for no known reason leaping and jumping out of the water. And I, I've always heard the theory is well, they might have something lodged in their throat that they're trying to throw. Well, maybe that's the same theory when they got a lure. They're trying to throw the lure. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Hey, Dan, And it works, you... too. Huh? <laughs> I've lost fish that way. Don't, don't <laughs> let them jump. <laughs> I know. Never let them jump. Um, after this break, when we come back, I've got a kind of a, it's a funny but yet sad story. It'll only take a minute or two, okay? I'm not going to cry, I hope. Oh, no, no, no. It's, it's okay. kind of funny. It's kind of sad, but kind of funny. I mean, 
Well, you'll get it when I tell you to you. Right after this break, folks, don't go away. Last break of the day, one more segment to go. He's Dan, I'm Tom, Sam is on the boards. We'll be right back. It's the final To the final segment of the Wacky Walleyes, Cutting Edge Outdoors. Hey, happy Father's Day weekend, uh, the, everybody out there. Make sure you take Pop uh, out, take him fishing, get him a fishing rod, let him know you appreciate him there. So, And Tom, uh, Tom's got a story to share with us, I believe. Okay, yeah, I was on eBay and I was looking for something, but I thought, you know what, I'm going to type in the, the name of the book I wrote back in 1990, 30 years ago. And I typed it in, and by golly, there was a book for sale for $28. 28 um, bucks. Yeah, I know. Originally, the price was $9.99, and it was, somebody was selling it for $28. And it said that the book was signed. Well, I had to check this out. So, you know, on eBay, you can do close-ups of certain things, and they had a, a picture of the where I signed it. They had a close-up. And it said, and I quote, to Jim and Sue, best wishes and fishes, Uncle Tom. Well, I have a niece, Sue, and her husband is named Jim. So, and I'm Uncle Tom. So I must have given them a book years ago. Now, the book's location was in Illinois. So they must have sold the book at some point or given it away. And this guy in Illinois was now selling it. But I just thought, oh, how about that? My niece and uh, her husband were selling the book I gave them. So funny and kind of sad. But anyway, I uh, got an email. You... <laughs> I know. But $28. Oh, my goodness. Did you call uh, Did you call Jim and Sue and say, hey, what are you doing? Just giving my no. book away. No, I didn't. No. no. But okay, here, okay. I got an email. Do that. Oh, this good. Is from, this is from Art in Milwaukee. Art. It says, hi, Tom, Dan, and Sam. It says, love your show. I have two tan yellow boat seats with pedestals still in the box. Brand new, never used. I was remodeling my boat, and halfway through, my wife talked me into buying the seats that open up into beds. It must be a big boat. I wonder, no, it says, I would, I would have returned them, but the store I bought them from was closing down in Mequon. I'm asking $110, and that's, you know, seats with pedestals. And that's Art in Milwaukee. His phone number is 414-463-5227. So, all right. It's not a bad deal. That sounds like about half price to me, because I think one boat seat normally yeah. costs about that. Yeah. So, yeah. hey, we're, we're turning into a trading place, it, it seems like. Oh, boy. Heck? Yeah, and you can go on eBay and find books written by Tom Newbar. Hey, what do you do, Tom? Uh, like, Dr. Sandy was nice enough. He gave me a book that's written by a, his guide down in Florida, and it's titled A Guiding Life. And apparently yeah. it's, this guy had quit junior, didn't even graduate from school, just went to go fish, work commercial fishing boats, and now he's been a guide and stuff. But, you know, I I'll be honest with you, Tom, I... I'm lazy these days. I really don't like to take the time to read books. And people, 
you know, I've had this before where people say, oh, here, here's a book I want to give you, okay? But is it okay to say, no, you know what, I, I don't think I'll get, even get around to reading it? Or do you just say, okay, yeah, sure, I'll take it, I'll read it. And then if you don't read it and you go to give it back, do you pretend that you read it in case they ask you a question about it? Like the teacher, did you read? <laughs> I feel like well, I'm in school, man. Well, one of two ways you could be honest and say, you know, I, I really don't read them, but thank you anyway. Uh, or you could just say thank you, take the book, and put it on eBay. I mean, you know, <laughs> but you're right. They might ask you about it, and, and then you don't know anything about it. But Well, John, uh, I think John John gave me the book you wrote. I didn't read that either. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. No harm, but, no foul. But listen, listen, buddy. If I swing by this week... Will you autograph it so I can make twenty eight bucks on it hey, on eBay? Yeah, put it put the damn thing on eBay. Yeah, you better believe it. Yeah. <laughs> what the heck? Yeah. I want you to sign it to to Dan, my good friend. Yeah. <laughs> you know Autographed also, Tom Newbauer books. I didn't know they were going for such big bucks. Well, I looked up that book Time on the Water, you know, by Bill Gardner. Yes. That one's yeah. going for like hundred and fifty bucks. What the heck? And that was a guy who just took a year off uh, work to go up yeah. and chase muskies in northern yeah. Wisconsin. It, I, I had one of our listeners years ago suggest I should write a book with all the stories I tell. But Yeah, you should. I don't know. I'm don't telling know. you, that, I, that book, Time on the Water, is right now, the, I mean, to me, is the best fishing book ever written. Uh, I mean, it tells the true story of when you're muskie hunting, how your expectations can go from a 50-incher down to just just catch a muskie, period, you know? Right, um, right, yeah. yeah. That's that's so, that's true. So I, that, I never did that read that, but, but I, I mean, he didn't. It wasn't an embellished uh, look no, at me at kind of a story of I'm the great no. muskie hunter, I caught this. He talks about how tough it, it really, really was. Yep, yeah. And, you know, and the thing was, if he would have known more about muskie fishing, he might have caught a few more, you know. Uh, but, uh, you know, he was learning as he went. You know, he was learning right. as he went. So, yeah, very interesting book. I would highly recommend well, talk, that. Learning as he went. Okay. As a muskie fisherman, what was the most important thing you ever learned as far as a muskie, fish, muskie fishing? Can you think of one oh, thing? Keep the lure in the water. <laughs> keep casting uh, I don't know I don't know I, I, guess, learned, a lot of, I learned a lot of things but I, I don't know I, about I guess, which one would be the most important I don't know one of them would be to figure eight after every cast without fail I think oh, that's, that's probably the one that most newbies learn the hard way where they don't and they pull it out of the water and there's a fish, and it's too late. I, I think right. that's probably one of the lessons. That that's um, an important lesson. Yeah, that is. That that's, that's one. Uh, I would say another important lesson: keep your drag set tight. Um, another important lesson: don't just take. It's funny how many people don't realize this. Uh, they'll give you an odd look. They'll buy a brand new bait, take it out of the package and assume that the hooks are sharp because it's new and just fish with it right out of the box, oh, out of the package yeah. like that. And, oh, no. and you explain to them, no. In fact, I've kind of gotten in the habit of not only musky baits, but other baits as well. 
sometimes even sharpening those. Now, if you get a Rapala or something, they got those needle nose, sharp, sharp, you know, little hooks. I guess it's really not necessary there. But even my Lake Michigan spoons for salmon and stuff, I'll take a stone or a little something to them and uh, just give them a little bit of an edge. So I guess that's that's our cutting edge outdoors tip of the week right there. You know, sharpen your hooks, even not on just musky baits. I, I agree 100%. You should always have that done. And not when you're in the boat. Do it before you go fishing, you know. Sharpen those hooks. Well, Danny, yeah. a couple minutes before 8, I think we're uh, done with this week's show. What do you think? Well, I guess uh, Sam just gave us the two-minute warning, but uh, I guess we can let uh, Kid Rock uh, take us uh, out here. I just got one last uh, thing to share. Here it is. Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. Proverbs 13.20. That's my tip of the week. That's all I got, buddy. (laughs) Okay, that's all I got too, Danny. To all the listeners, thanks for listening. And God bless and stay free, everyone. You've been listening to Wacky Walleyes, Cutting Edge Outdoors, presented by Bait Mate Fish Attractant. Get out there. Take Dad fishing this week, my friends. We'll talk to you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.